Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the state of streaming series within the Becoming a Streamer podcast by Pipeline. In this series, sit down, look at some of the events going on in the industry, keep you guys updated, as well as uh, share some of our own thoughts, what it means for us and uh, other creators in the space as well. I like to do these live as well, which is exciting. We do the Becoming a Streamer podcast every single Monday with new episodes, some recorded sit down with streamers, whether they're career, part-time, wherever they're at with it. Uh, but these are really fun to kind of bring you guys in with us for some of the conversation with, of course, myself, Stonemount64, uh, and uh, Snoop, a co-founder in uh, Pipeline. Today, we got some really awesome topics to talk about. As always, we are doing these every other week currently. So the, the amount of stuff that happens within two weeks in streaming, it seems like it, it just there, there's always too much to even talk about. But some really cool stuff. Uh, the biggest kind of high-level overview of what we got going on today, AOC, actually this is just as of last night, politicians starting to get into the streaming game, setting mind-blowing new records just out of nowhere. Corporate control of Twitch accounts. Everybody's trying to get in on a stream game, not even just uh, politicians, but people in a whole bunch of different industries. Some uh, famous people you might have even heard of or might have even tried to watch some of their streams. DMCA strikes. I mean, we talk about this every week, every episode, it seems like, but that's why we got to talk about it because uh, <laughs> it's never ending. It keeps on coming at us um, with, uh, you know, more Twitch side this time, but there's probably some stuff on the Facebook side and other stuff we can talk about as well. Lightstream integrating the Xbox. Xbox is actually uh, getting a little bit more improvements where you're streaming directly from it. Of course, we're gonna, I think we're going to see even a lot more of that with the new generations of consoles that are coming out too. So that's going to be... Uh, I mean, maybe it's too early to even talk about some of that. I'm not sure. And then agencies and teams within streaming. There's a lot that kind of goes into even those two topics. We could probably talk for an hour about each of them by themselves. But there was some recent news with one of the top streamers in the world. Uh, some huge funding going into it in Asia. Some really... Really, really crazy stuff, Steven, How you doing, man? You uh, you ready to chat? I am today? great. I'm super excited. I mean, this the the greatest part of, about this is that we have people listening in live. So if you're sitting there live, like, please toss some questions in to the chat, and and we'll get to those. You know, this this last couple of weeks have been pretty crazy, especially last night. I was glued to what was going on last night. If you missed it, um, this was AOC, otherwise known as Alexandra. Ocasio-Cortez. Um, so she's a congresswoman in the U.S. I know we've got a lot of viewers in Europe that might not know who that is, um, but she's pretty popular, especially among the younger generation, and she does a, she's a gamer. Um, she's actually silver, I think it is, in League of Legends, which is not the easiest thing to obtain. Um, but what happened is last night she teamed up, or she made a post on Twitter. It was like, hey, I would love to play Among Us. Um, I want to encourage people to vote. And it's also kind of cool because what you do in Among Us is you vote. So... Um, she was trying to encourage the, the younger voters especially to vote, and she had Pokemon, she had Valkyrie, Hassan, Toast, um, Lupo was there. He just came off of a stream with, uh, what was his name, Borat in the morning, and that was like streaming with AOC in the evening. Um, a yeah, bunch of... Yeah, he had, a, he had a bunch of folks um, were on that stream last night. Some of the biggest personalities in the Among Us kind of genre right now. Yeah, seriously. And, like This was like top top of the tier and we, ha we had an image up there too you can see her uh actually 
a proper face cam, little like a border around it. Quality was great. Like the whole entire stream experience that she did was, I, I was really impressed. To just it was legit. She had a it. proper setup. Audio was great. Um, she was like even toggling Discord. She like toggled Discord off and was like speaking to the stream. For her first time really streaming, she did a, a great job. And the numbers, you know, she peaked at 439,000 viewers, which is the third highest of any individual person on Twitch, which is crazy. Um, so there's a lot of hype around this last night. If you didn't get to check it out, you have to go um, and just watch snippets of it. It was a lot of fun. She was actually joined by Ilhan Omar, which is another congresswoman um, who came in as well. And it was kind of funny because... I think it, Ilhan had never played the game before and actually was like one of the best imposters of the night. Um, so there's some really cool highlights that you can go check out uh, regarding that. But I think it, this just shows where streaming is much broader than just gaming, where we've gotten politicians getting involved. We've got, you know, musicians getting involved and there's um, a really like a lot of cool activity happening in the space. One of the things that um, we've seen before is where politics has got into, we see like, you know, the debates getting streamed live and you've got Twitch chat going yeah. wild. Um, and I think we're actually going to see more of this as it's harder for politicians to engage with the younger demographic. We'll see them on platforms like Twitch. Um, and I think AOC is just way ahead of the curve on this. Why do you think it's taken so long for a politician like an AOC to actually jump on Twitch? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I think there's it's probably just not super mainstream in the first place to to even do it or consider doing it but to have your first ever stream like first ever attempt at it have 439,000 concurrent which is the third record on the platform besides ninja who's at first with 600 something thousand when he streamed with drake shroud as the second and that was just when he returned to switch uh, to twitch after his uh run at mixer like this is a mind-blowing number. I, I, I think it's just like a, a lead-up to something like this actually happening. I'm assuming, too, uh, you know, I don't know all the specifics and the demographics of it, but probably a lot of the uh, government officials are skew on the older side where they're probably not on Twitch, not in gaming, not in a lot of these spaces. But that's where, too, I see this as like over the next 20, 30, even 50 years as people are growing up with these types of things, with gaming, with all of the, like with this as part of the culture, I just see more and more of this kind of shifting towards this direction. But I mean, I don't know when we'll see more or I'm assuming there's going to be more. What do you think about it? What do you think about politics becoming, I mean, Twitch has been this space for the younger generation, for gamers, you know, and different creatives. What do you think about politics entering Twitch? Yeah, I think it's, it, it's a really hard thing because some people really love politics and love talking about those things. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Hassan does a lot of that on his streams who he was even playing with them. And maybe that helped, uh, help bridge it a little bit, but some people really don't, I don't really get into politics on any of my content or anything. Um, I, I think it's great for people to go out and vote and to do that. And that's really what she was promoting on it in the first place. It was still kind of the content was around the game and what was going on for it. Uh, but I see this as really something that's kind of inevitably going to keep on happening, especially if there is a lot of traction for it and a lot of interest. So I think it's just kind of how are you, how is everybody going to adapt to the situation? And really, overall, I think this just makes this entire space that much more credible, that much more interesting to people that who 
never even considered it uh, or looked at Twitch or looked at streaming at all. It's just another thing that's like, oh, what is all this? Yeah, I think that we're saying that that more people into it. On iwillvote.com, that it was the number one driver of traffic was this event last night was the number one driver of traffic was this event. And I think that just goes to it will wake a bunch of people up that are typically closed off to the streaming and gaming ecosystem and be like, wow, there's something here that we should get more involved in. So I'd, I'd probably expect more kind of activations. I think the one thing that AOC has going for her is her authentic voice with like she is a gamer. And I think that carries a lot of weight. Yeah. She plays games in her spare time. Because if it's just something that you just kind of hop in and it's not something that you're at least legitimately interested into some capacity, um, you know, who knows? I, I don't know if we'll see the president streaming at any point ever, but, you know. We saw like, David Dobrik did some really cool stuff as well, where it's like around I will vote. He was, um, was it how many Teslas? I can't remember, like 10 Teslas or something he gave away or was giving away um, yeah. around people heading to I will vote. So I think we're starting to see that crossover happen a lot more. Um, at the moment yeah and it's it's uh i don't know do you, do you think it was all attributed to aoc kind of coming on board like if if other people come on and try try streaming it like is this going to be her being the trendsetter for this because I, this is it's a pretty big moment whether you agree with her or disagree with her or whatever like third place on all of twitch even though i think it's a combination one, of things i think won. a lot of the a lot of the younger creators um, have a lot of affinity to her because of her authenticity. She's a gamer. And I think that that carried so much weight. And it was the mm-hmm. everyone coming together around this idea of playing games, um, I think, was what created this epic moment. Um, and I, I think if it was less authentic and there was less like, you know, this is someone who does have a background in gaming, it probably wouldn't have went as well. So I think that authenticity carried a lot of weight. And if this tried to happen again, where someone who you know wasn't a gamer tried to come in and do it, I don't think it would be as successful. It's not just uh, politicians that are getting in on streaming and kind of checking out the space and where everything's at, though. Leads us to our next topic that we had, which is uh, corporate control of Twitch accounts, which is kind of broad because there's a lot that kind of went on in this area. Um, so I wanted to kind of group some of it together, but the WWE is reportedly seizing control over uh, its wrestlers' online presence. Many wrestlers previously had their own individual YouTube channel, individual uh, Twitch channel, where they'd stream like Xavier Woods. But the company supposedly is asking them to actually sever their ties and create official content under the WWE banner. Um, This is interesting because... Obviously, they're already affiliated with something. That's giving them a whole bunch of promotion. That's building their brand. That's building their reputation. They have a contract with it. And doing YouTube, doing Twitch very much is typically more uh, an individual. Well, maybe not even typically, but a lot of times it is uh, an individual process that people kind of go after. So to see him kind of go after his own thing, I think we had a tweet as well from uh, a wrestler in the space. but. with that, it's like it's just being controlled by another organization that it kind of loses some freedom for. Maybe it loses some of what people want to go after for it, but it's also understandable if it is through the WWE, if they especially already have an agreement of wanting to do something under it in the first place. Uh, maybe, oh, maybe it wasn't under the wrestler. My bad. <laughs> um, but 
yeah, this was a tweet from Sarah. Twitch is my place when I built with my wonderful fans, place where people can uh, come feel my positivity a little bit. Uh, fun, interactive, non-judgmental, charitable place. I'm proud of what I built in my fan base. Maybe that was, uh, oh, WWE. Uh, okay, so, oh, yeah, okay, my bad. Um, but yeah, so it is something where it's like they have uh, another space coming in on what they want to do versus their own individual space. We also saw this. This The other example that I had was from uh, F1. There was a racer, and this is a little different per se, but Lando Norris reportedly was told to stop streaming by Formula One management uh, while he was midstream alongside his teammate Carlos Sainz. The issue was uh, reportedly that he was live during another Formula One event, so it's kind of taking viewership away from the main hub of what I'm sure he has a contract for, of what, of what he's already affiliated with. Uh, taking away viewership from that, which is like, you know, it's kind of juggling two things at one time. These moves so we dealt, we dealt with this um, on the esports site as well. This was something when I was playing professionally, we actually had a um, contract. Like we would sign a contract and it would stipulate that we'd have to stream X amount of hours. So like say it was like 20 hours a month minimum or 40 hours a month minimum. And we'd have to have, you know, all of this, the brands overlay, like sponsors of the team, et cetera, would have to be on stream. Like we couldn't, like, for example, I was sponsored by Monster and I couldn't drink water out of a normal glass. It had to be out of a Monster water bottle if I was drinking. Like there's there's a lot of restrictions on this stuff. Yeah. And I think that um, this is something that's common in esports, has been common for a while, especially your point around it taking away viewership from the main stream. Like that's a thing where if the LCS is on, which is the League Championship Series, you know, other pros streaming during that time can cannibalize viewership. So they, they try and um, make sure that there's no one over streaming it. As well as like when I think about, um, you know, when we see more companies come in and take control of talent switch accounts, like on the NBA or NFL, et cetera, if they start yeah. streaming. I mean, I've seen, I've even played with people that are NBA, that are in the NFL. Like, I don't, I think there's probably a lot of gray area right now because something like this, I, I mean, mostly the social media is kind of like maybe Twitter or whatever, not necessarily so much in terms of long-term streaming and uh, it's kind of new. So maybe some of it is operating in the gray area, but do you think like the NBA or some of these places would also, like, is this going to be a bigger thing where more of these organizations try and keep their talent under their own banner? I would say yes. I think that's not in the best interest of the talent, but I would say right. that the those companies are going to try to because you think about the you know evolution of media where it used to be all these rights were tied up in traditional TV, and as that mm -hmm. starts to wind down and you know cord cutting etc., I would see a lot of these companies looking for more ways to make money. Quite frankly, and I think they're going to see what, something that traditionally left like social media and you know YouTube channels have traditionally not had anything to do with it, but over time, as they're looking for more ways to create revenue, I think they're going to want to take, try and take more control over those areas. And it's going to yeah. be up to the player unions and the, and the players themselves to you know, mm. put a firm stake in the ground in that one, which is, it's going to be media. It's going to be a really um, intense conversation, I think. If I was them, I would 100% be fighting to like, like this, this would be a bigger priority to try and have some independence for it, especially like, you know, 
maybe your term is up after a few years of kind of your heyday of whatever you're doing in sports and maybe you can't do it anymore. But this could be, especially for gaming, can be such a long-term thing afterwards that if they lost that and then had to restart a new one because that one's technically under the WWE banner, like, that's extremely frustrating as a creator, I, I would feel. But, I mean, there is a lot of benefit, too, of them having the platform to get a whole bunch of reach and to get exposure and to, and to bring that out in the first place. And them having a contract does allow them to get the... So I, I can really see both sides of it, but as a person creating... A tra it's something that is so independent a lot of times, unless maybe they do come in and help with some of the creative side of it. It is something that really lies on you to build and do your own thing on. Um, I see it as a, uh, you know, I, I would love to see. I, I it think we're not going to see the end of this. That's that's my takeaway from this is we're we're going to yeah, see a lot more of this as these companies become more savvy about the online media space. Switching gears a little bit, which is an area where unfortunately there's not been a lot of innovation over the last decade, um, which is DMCA strikes. So this was hot again in the news. Yesterday, it was all over Twitter, um, and we've been talking about this for a while, but it just keeps coming up, and there was a lot of people got, you know, quite frankly, really annoyed at Twitch when they sent out a mass email to a lot of creators yesterday saying that they're, they're getting a one-time warning to remove other channels permanently if they get another strike from DMCA. So this is Twitch getting significant pressure from the music industry. Yeah. to make a change here and it's really come to a head the fact that twitch and we've kind of seen this play out where twitch released um was it twitch soundtrack so they released that as their kind of i would say halfway solution and then they followed this up a month later they knew all this was coming they were being forced by the music industry to to get the word out about this and start taking action and Quite frankly, it's it's really upset a lot of creators, and I th I think that it's it's hard, right? There's and they're in a tough spot, the platforms because they're also dependent on the music industry, which is extremely complicated. It's multi layers of of different licenses and and different stakeholders. So, I think what's going to have to happen, quite frankly, is creators going to be like, "This is happening, whether I like it or not. This is happening, and you have to take it seriously. You have to start." making sure that you have the rights to the music that you're playing in your stream or on your content. Um, I mean, what do you think? Is, is this a big, um, a big thing? Yeah. Is this something that's been going? And do you think there's like, a, this is finally like, you need to take this seriously or is it the same old, same old? I, I mean, we, even uh, we've been talking about this for the past few weeks and you saw even a, a tweet up there from Slasher. He, it was reported that hundreds of partners received this, this hit. Um, but it's also like it's hard because you're balancing it between the creators of even the music that want to get it out there. But it's kind of this archaic record label managing it with also this new generation of social media. And how do you how do you manage all these things together? So I don't think any of this is going anywhere um, in terms of how the issues continue to lie. I mean, was that was that your question? Yeah, it's it's I think this is more of a. It seems to me, at least, just given the sequence of events where they released a product around trying to solve, like, there's a stopgap. And then a, a month later, sending out this very direct email, which is if you get another strike, you're getting banned. Like, it seems like there is a higher level of enforcement now um, that this is, is bubbled up right to the top of Twitch. And yeah. 
whereas companies like YouTube and Facebook have had to tackle this, you know, really seriously, whether that's YouTube has a really comprehensive um, copyright system, or you've got Facebook that literally paid almost a billion dollars to um, the music industry to get, get rights for creators. Oh. I think this is Twitch now being forced their hand. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the, if you don't know, DMCA is basically the record label, whoever creates the music, if they make a request to, you know, you got to deal with this or you got to take my music down, then Twitch or whatever website or platform has an opportunity to take that down. And then they don't face legal repercussions of being sued for tens of hundreds of millions of dollars, whatever it is. So it's in their interest if they want to keep on even doing this in the first place that they need to take this music down immediately. But that's what leads to a whole bunch of issues. And this was another thing that I saw was these emails that are going out. They don't know what the issue even is, in particular with the music. So they might play a whole bunch of different songs. This is actually something as well that I've noticed when I was streaming on Facebook. Was I had I didn't know which, and maybe I just couldn't figure it out on that side. I don't know, but YouTube has a much more robust system because they've been dealing with this for so long. Twitch is literally kind of having, it seems like it's been something that's just like, eh, we'll deal with it when it comes. And now the issue is here and something that we've talked about a lot, even over the last year and a half and, and even longer is like, you got to start dealing with this ahead of it before any of this even comes to fruition. Um, it, because this, question, this is extreme uh, of uh, one strike and it's out. Yeah. Question from Cole and the audience is, if Twitch doesn't fix this soon, do you think that, People will move to other platforms. Well, if you're banned off the platform, then 100%. I think that's going to be the bigger the bigger issue. I don't think people are necessarily going to leave the platform just because, uh, you know, Twitch is not doesn't have a great system for this. Potentially, especially if they're a newer streamer and, you know, you're trying to consider like I want to be able to play music and not worry about my account just being immediately shut down. Some people don't even play music at all in their streams, so it does depend on that front, but. I think it's really going to be more of a awakening to people because this as well is just on the partner level. So what we're also going to see is a lot of people who are just skating by, and this is what happened for a long time on YouTube too. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a while now, but you know, those broadcasts or, or all of the content, it takes a long time to actually have a system go through and build up and go through it. And that's what I think we even saw with literally, we, we were talking about this a few weeks ago, but uh, content that was, years old getting taken down and then strikes applied to people's twitch channel from four or five years ago of a stream that they did and was archived on their page or even clips that were that were there uh but again like per that the dmca law if they request to take it down twitch has to immediately take that down otherwise they're going to face legal, legal repercussions from it so it's like uh they kind of have to like twitch Twitch really doesn't want to do this. Like they, they would much rather no. not have to do this. Um, it's a pain it, in the, the butt for them to try and manage it. I, I don't know how much the artists want it, want it done either because that's so much exposure for their music to so many people, and it, it builds into part of the culture. Like It's a huge win. And if you look at like how TikTok's managed to integrate some of the music and blow music up out of the water, like it is a win, but it's it's, again, it's these systems coming together and trying to make something that's good. And that's why I think... If a platform does crack the case and make something that's amazing for all parties and does that better sooner, it's going to really push things along. Right now, though, there's not really an incentive to do that. It's more of uh, 
we don't want to get sued. So we're going to deal with it when the time comes, because there's not a lot of upside in dealing with this massive issue in the first place, as, as I yeah. see it. I think it's worth mentioning just for the streamers listening. If you're worried about this, there is a bunch of solutions out there, whether it's uh, pretzel rocks, epidemic sound, monster cat, um, stream beats, there's a ton of options out there. So just make sure that you're protecting yourself and, and use music that you have the, the rights to. And we have a blog up on that as well that explains it even more if you need it. One of the chat was asking too, I mentioned uh, Facebook paid for some rights. That's something that they're testing out with. Uh, so they got to deal with like, I believe Sony and a couple really big labels where you can play music. But I, for example, don't know which music is under that umbrella of allowed for me to play. So if I play something that isn't within it, I can just get shut down for. And that's something they're testing with partners and they're, for, they're hopefully rolling out. Twitch actually did something similar as well. They've uh, partnered with a couple of companies, including Monster Cat and a couple others. So you have some discretion to play music and they also have their own soundtrack library, which they're rolling out. So it's kind of, they're moving more towards that, but this is going to be a bigger shift for the overall industry. Yeah, I would definitely check out. I mean, I think Pretzel Rocks especially have been trying to tackle this problem for years, and they made a great thread on Twitter about it um, that you can check out as well. So great company, great folks behind it that are trying to solve this problem and have been doing it for years. So check them out. Yeah, there, uh, there's definitely quite a few solutions that have uh, been coming around, but hopefully some more stuff coming. As we see even more stuff coming on the console front as well as we shift over to the next topic, live stream to the integrated with the xbox app this is something that uh is a great tool if you are especially earlier on and trying to figure things out at least it can be uh, Lightstream is a web-based streaming service that allows you to basically integrate your stream into a cloud-based solution meaning that you don't need to have a computer you don't need to have all your stuff set up on your own systems and your own hardware um, your stream overlays, for example, your alerts, all of those things are hosted in the cloud. And this is something that they just integrated with Xbox. So if you want to just stream directly through the Twitch or to Twitch through your Xbox, no computer, no capture card, it's super easy to send it to this basically third party service. You can combine and put your overlays together uh, within that. That's what hosts all of it. And then Lightstream sends it out to uh, a feed for Twitch to process afterwards. This does have a fee associated with it. If you, is it, they got like monthly or annual for it. Um, and it starts, I mean, it's kind of high, especially if you're trying to figure it out for the first time, um, in addition to everything else that might be going on. But it, it's, it's $8 a month is the starting point, which actually is pretty nice, but it only limits you to 720p 30 FPS. Um, and then it kind of goes up from there all the way to 16 dollars a month for 1080p 30 fps or maybe it was 20 or so but the thing is the consoles i don't know how well they can really even keep up with streaming and gaming at the same time they can do it but if you're keeping it more in the 720p range anyways i'm sure it's a feasible thing to do um and to have an overall higher quality just for you know taking a couple extra steps that this doesn't put any more stress on your hardware as mentioned it's in the cloud. This is servers that they're running rather than it being on your hardware. You can at least perform the same as what it was, but have an extra layer of having the overlays, having the alerts, everything set up. And I think especially if you're just trying to figure this out and maybe even just test it for a few months, see how it goes. 
this is a really easy, cheaper way for sure versus going for a, a massive amount of upgrades uh, for everything where you can test streaming out on a on your Xbox. And this, this is, from what I saw on their uh, site as well, available on PlayStation already too. So like this is something that is a really good solution for console. And they, they do things for other things. Uh, if you want to try and do it more for podcasts or even like something like this, we could set it up over cloud-based and have solutions. You lose Lightstream's actually I just wanted to yeah. highlight this. I mean, they were they were a flagship partner of mixers um in tackling, you know, the Xbox mixer relationship. So they had a strategic relationship with Microsoft. Lightstream's a company out of Chicago, a guy called Stu's behind it, and they're a great team. And I think for them the when Mixer shut down, they were scrambling to find a solution for console streamers because they were one of the yeah. most favored tools for that. And I think that them striking this deal with Twitch where they can actually integrate deeply with um, the Xbox system itself, I think is a huge win. And I think uh, one of the things that's important to touch on is that when you're starting out as a content creator and you've only got your Xbox, you don't have a PC, et cetera, this is a cheaper way to get started. Um, you know, it's often when we're like, oh, I need to go buy the PC. I need to go buy all this expensive equipment. Yeah. With Lightstream Solution, you can get started and try it and see what it's like before you go spend you know, a thousand dollars on a PC or um, hundreds of dollars on the capture card, etc. Cole mentioned they hopefully they have some type of free trial to, to get started with it too. I mean, that would definitely be good, especially if you could just see how it tests versus you using a a full or you know just from the base system to try it. I don't think it's too much uh, in terms of like if you do want to try it at. 720p maybe even try it for a month and see how it goes you could learn a lot in that period as well um but being able to have the overlays doesn't mean that you automatically get it too it's still going to take some work to integrate it to make it how you want to do it and it still is going to take some more back-end work even just figuring a lot of these things out um and that costs you time to figure a lot of that out as well and test it in the first place so it'll be really interesting to see like what the effect of that is and i think too once we see it on the next generation of consoles which are very close that's where i think we'll probably see even some more leaps of people wanting to specifically just do this because in the current state if you are streaming and playing on the same console at the same time with you know the older hardware it it's already like we'll get 60 fps or so compared to having like a dedicated pc or something i think that's where there's a, a bigger gap and why a lot of people do opt for going for PC, even if they're playing console games or they're playing like Call of Duty on a controller. I have tons of friends and people that are streaming um, that just use their controller and play on the computer because it's such a significant performance boost just for the sake of playing the game, let alone game and stream managing that. So I'm really interested to see what that looks like on the next generation of consoles and how that integrates to be able to stream directly from it uh, to to whatever platform and then still being able to have some of the cool customization because a lot of that stuff does help differentiate a lot of that uh especially for newer streamers if you're trying to have like uh especially like a really specific theme um on facebook hitman comes to my mind he's got like a full on he's got like a green screen he's dressed as a hitman he's got a, like a suit tie everything and he's very extreme with a lot of his content and to have some of that effect on everything really helps everything stand out. So, I mean, the fact you that you're even ta that, talking about him right now means he's clearly made an impression. I think that's 
Super yeah, cool I mean, can, yeah. And, and but that's like some of those types of things. Even there, even if it's a little gimmicky or whatever it might be, it's something that I did a lot of as well. I had a massive green screen and did like a tilt effect on it, and just try to find ways that I could do stuff. So when people saw it, they'd be like, "What is? How is he doing that?" Um, and try and get people to stop on it was something that I did a lot of. And you can do that if you have a little bit more control. It does take some time to figure it out. And how much can you figure out within a cloud-based solution? That's kind of where it's up to the creativity of whoever gets into it to see what they can do with it too. And that's what's, like I said, I'm going to keep an eye out and see where, where it kind of goes with it. I think one last question from the audience to wrap it up is, is this more worth it than just buying a PC? Since if you're subscribing to this, it could end up being, you know, like $300, $400 a year. My yeah. hunch is if, if cost is prohibitive for you and you're like in, you know, you can't make the jump to buying a thousand dollar PC, et cetera, or the capture card, et cetera. I think this is a good way just to get a taste. So if you just sign up for the month or like two months and just get a taste of what it's like to stream, um, check it out, get familiar with it. And then that can make, help you make the decision of whether or not you want to go invest in a, you know, a bigger PC setup. Um, it, it can be very tempting when you're first starting out to go spend thousands of dollars and buying all the, the best gear. But I think this provides a nice way to get a taste of it see how you like going live, get a feel for it. And then you can decide to upgrade uh, once you yeah, know I mean, you like it. Even if it's 720p, like that's still, you can still make content around that, right? Like if you've that's got- you started, idea. right? You started the 720p. Yeah, I mean, even, even when there was 1080 and 1440 and all the, the really high numbers, when I, especially was streaming on Facebook for the first time, like they didn't, I think it was just 720p compared to, yeah, it definitely was because I remember it was a big deal when I got 1080p at 30 FPS. And then it, you know, kind of kept going up from there. But uh, even before that, I mean, I think I, I think my first streams were like in 480p and I was even just stoked on that. You can still make content around whatever it is. It's just like, maybe this is a cool way to do it. I don't know. Like if you're going to be doing this for three or four years, I, it, again, it's hard because we don't know what the next generations of consoles are going to look like and how well you can incorporate something like this to where do you even need it? But I mean, there's still plenty of streamers that are, specifically on their console um but yeah if you, if you are going to be spending it over the next three four years or whatever it might be maybe it makes sense to um have a computer as well uh upgrade as well but this is a great way to like you said just kind of test it out and see what it's see what it's like to get a couple more bells and whistles on it and see if you're into getting into some of that and going crazy uh, okay we gotta we gotta move over to our final topic of the day David, which is on agencies and teams. You know, they're they're two pretty different things, um, yeah. but they're trying to accomplish quite similar goals. Especially now, where we see a lot of the esports teams are actually very similar to esports agencies, um, and that they have a lot of content creators on their roster as well. Um, so, streaming spots and teams have existed for many years. You know, even when I was playing competitively, we had some content creators on the team, and and this really helps those teams kind of beef up their numbers. And the teams can actually provide a lot of value to creators because they can help create a, a space where you have a brand that you can attach to and kind of help helps elevate you a lot quicker if you're not already huge yourself. Um, another thing that's interesting is that the agencies are kind of growing in their profile and we're actually starting to see teams sign with agencies as well. So recently we had 100 Thieves um, in the past week just announced that they've signed with CAA. So they're going to start repping everything on the on the brand endorsement side, which I think is super cool because I've already been impressed by what 100 Thieves has accomplished on their own. Yeah. 
having the weight of CA behind them is, is super cool. And then we've also seen Ninja, who moved over from Loaded to, to CA as well, um, which is pretty insane. We should also probably mention um, that you are also rep by CA. So just in case anything comes up, um, you're yeah. also rep by CA as well. So we should mention that. But uh, I can, I'm not rep by CA, so I can, I can say more things on that topic. I think it's really cool because I honestly, for the longest time, I didn't see CA having a huge presence in the space, at least in the core gaming space. And we're now seeing them really accelerate their involvement and get some really big client wins with 100 Thieves, with Doc, with you, with Noah, with um, what's the Ninja as well. Um, I think it, it's really cool to see them start to put their weight uh, behind this space. I think it's going to unlock a lot, um, not just for those that are rep by CAA, but also those who are rep by other agencies because, you know, Rising Tide lifts all boats. We even seen an agency in Asia um, called Evos Esports. So this started out as an esports team who then kind of migrated more towards becoming uh, an esports agency or, or a talent agency, I would say. And they just raised $12 million in Series B funding um, by Korean investment partners. So this is primarily driven not because of their esports, but because of their content creation side. Um, and we think about the future of esports teams, and we've seen the trends happening over the last few years. A lot of esports teams are turning into content teams, even though they do have you know a couple of uh, games that they're involved in from the competitive standpoint. A lot of their business value and brand value is driven actually by the content creators themselves. So, I have a question for you, Stone, which is, would you ever? consider being on an esports team or have you ever considered it because i'm sure this came up before yeah you know i i've done some kind of affiliations with teams there's a team fanatic um that i kind of you know worked with to capacity in the past i i never have been specifically like under an organization though typically whenever i've done my uh own sponsorship deals or anything a long time i just did it myself or worked with a couple different agencies and kind of non-exclusive uh way to your point uh, so everybody knows yes i am rep by caa as well uh i was actually one of the first creators that they brought on to help build their gaming side if you don't know they're an agency that reps a lot of actors directors in you know uh that kind of type so one of the biggest agencies in the world I mean, yeah, football players, you know, whatever. It, a lot of a lot of different people that need people to figure out contracts and deals between organizations and individuals, basically, right? That's kind of on the agency side. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've I've thought about it. I think, especially early on, I was trying to find ways that I could affiliate with bigger networks and bigger organizations to meet people, to find other people in the space, and to add credibility to my content. Uh, an example of that even was like Machinima. Early in the day, I got partnered with them, and this was the only way that you could even make revenue on YouTube was through a network because YouTube didn't want to take the risk of you know you monetizing on gaming content, which has come a long way since, since then. <clears throat> but even like they never... I never even talked to anybody really there in any significant capacity, but I started introing. If you go back and look at some of my old, even some of my, my best videos, I just threw on the intro little thing that they did on all their other main videos. I just took it off and did it on my own. So it looked a little bit more, uh, you know, part of something that was more legit, I guess. And, um, 
you know, they kind of went on and didn't have the best reputation too long after that. And networks have kind of gone down a little bit, but that's a whole nother topic that we could talk about. Um, but yeah, I, 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 maybe I would, I would consider it for sure. Uh, but I think, especially at the point where I'm currently at, it's kind of hard because I do have representation. Things are going pretty well. Um, and it gives me a lot of freedom. I don't know, you know, it's like to what you were talking about earlier where you had a partnership with your team. They had a partnership with Monster. So you're with Monster yeah. by default through that, right? Uh, it cuts a lot of broad, like uh, sponsorship categories can become carved out and then you're like not right. able to get that. So it could overall limit your um, revenue. And these are things, all things you can negotiate on the upfront when you're working yeah. with a team. You can say, like, I think I'm going to lose this money from these categories, so I want to negotiate a higher rate um, on but the again, upfront. Like, there's a big benefit to that, too, to being associated with, like, you know, like we even see, like, Phase 5 has been going on, where people can are, are doing everything they can to get into Phase and doing, you know, videos and a whole bunch of stuff to get onto the team because yeah, if you get on a phase, they've got such a massive network that, I mean, you're going to, you're going to blow up just from being associated with it in the first place. So it's really a personal question, I think for creators. And I think it depends on where you're at in the state of things. Uh, at the time of when, when opportunities kind of come up. Yeah, no, the the one thing I'm really excited about on the CEA, talking about agencies again, was seeing, you know, someone like Ninja who's kind of transcended just gaming, yeah. having the weight and the network of a CAA behind him to see what else he can accomplish. Because he's already done so much outside of that. And even yourself, you've done a lot of things that weren't just pure gaming. Like you've been had different opportunities and exposure because of CAA's network. And I think as we yeah. see the ninjas of the world and the... um. We're seeing with Doc already, and as we see with um, Hundred Thieves, it's just like how can they bridge that gap into the like entertainment side and like going into more mainstream media instead of just gaming. I think an agency like CA is able to open up those opportunities um, that haven't happened before. And to be fair too, like Loaded is a massive, awesome agency as well um, that Ninja was previously with. Uh, so he was doing great with them in the first place, but. To me, I kind of see it as, and it seems like that's the direction Ninja's trying to go, is to get into some more television, movies, some of those types of things, some of the more mainstream type media. I mean, he's been on Ellen and a whole bunch of, you know, things like that, as well as got his foot in the door on a couple movies already. So I think that is kind of the direction he wants to go, and I think CAA can offer a lot for that. So that's what I'm getting. Like, I don't have any intel on it, but looking at this from an outsider's perspective and understanding the different companies, like that seems to me where he's trying to go and get into it as well as what we've already seen with doc signed a deal to do a book. Apparently I think he's, he's got a couple things in the works of uh, some type of show or movie or something as well. So that's what I, that's where I see kind of the direction of it going. I think there's a lot of trickle down on this too. Um, you know, when folks like Doc or Ninja who are at the very top are having these opportunities, it creates more opportunities for other creators as well. There's like a very much a trickle down on, on that side. So I'm stoked not just for them, but for the industry as a whole. I think it's it's gonna open up even more opportunities for creators all up. Well, I think that's all we have time for today, David. We ran we ran through a bunch of stuff. A lot happened. Um yeah. again, I come back to how cool it is that we can bring the chat in and actually have this conversation live. Like 
AOC happened just last night, and we're talking about it this morning, which is um, super cool to be able to do that. Yeah, I love it. We weren't even planning on talking about that, but then it's just all it was all over everything. So it's uh, I'm glad we can talk about it. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to find out more about our podcasts and everything that we have going on, you can find it at pipeline.gg/podcast. You can find them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We have everything going up on our YouTube channel as well. If you guys want to head over there, thank you guys for joining us live on it. If you were here for it. And of course you can find out everything more about streaming and what we got going on within our uh, community over at pipeline.gg. Thank you guys so much for listening uh, and happy streaming out there, everybody.